What's good, my friends? This is the most interactive sports talk show anywhere. It's Offsides, Mark Ryan and Diesel, and we are the Fan Upstate rolling on until 7 o'clock p.m. today. You guys have a ton of choices. Truly do appreciate you. In this hour, we've got your upset picks in this segment. We've got Josh Pate joining us in the next segment. In terms of the ranking of vitriolic rivalries in college football, the rivalries with the most hate, where does Florida-Georgia rank? Uh, Then I will be making my own upset pick coming your way at 445 this afternoon. And uh, I will say I opened the show today with a list of six. I have whittled it down to two. Uh, in terms of my lean this week. Okay, here's how you guys can get your upset picks in. You can give us a ring at 844-FAN-PHONE. That's 844-F-A-N-F-O-N-E. That's 844-326-3663. The madworldattractions.com text line is there for you at 71307. Just start your text with the word FAN, and away you go on the show. That, my friends, is how you can get to us, right? That's how you can get to us. So uh, let us do this little ditty right here. I have the upset pick standings in front of me. They're in front of me right now. And I'm going to reveal them to you from 51st all the way to 1st. These will be posted on the Fan Upstate, on Facebook, and on Twitter this week. So if you miss them here, you will be able to see them there at the Fan Upstate on Twitter, at the Fan Upstate on Facebook, or X, or whatever you want to talk about it. In 51st place, we've got Shannon Burke with 0.5 points. In 48th, we've got a three-way tie for with one. Brad Perkle, Kevin Bugs, Desmond Howard, one point. 47th place, oh, come on, Spur Daddy, we can do better than this. One and a half points. 45th place, we've got a tie between Mark L.O. Ducks and Wolverine Joe. They've got two. 44th place is Drew L. with 2.5. In 40th place, we've got a four-way tie. Tyler B., Jeff R., Hurricane Jeff, and yours truly. Because I called BYU over Texas Tech last week for three. In 39th place, it's J-Rock with four points. 38th place, Logan Simpson with four and a half. 36th. We've got a tie with Commander Reed and Brandon Burnett, five and a half points. 35th place is my old man Pops with six. 33rd place, we've got Just Jess and Lee Corso, six and a half points. 31st place, we've got Brandon Gibson and Cowboy Noel, seven points. Tied for 28th place, we've got John G., Rodney Mintz, and Roger Carper, eight and a half points. In 27th place, John Corley with nine points. In 25th place, into the top 25, we've got our friend Kelly Ford and Nathan R. Nodded at that position. 23rd place, Scotty Mack and Thomas Hell. Tied for 23rd with 10 points. In 22nd place, it's Emerson M. with 12. 21st place, it's Will G. with 12 and a half. In 20th place, it's none other than the host of College Game Day, Reese Davis, with 13 points. In 19th place, it's Buckeye Bryan with 13 and a half. 17th place, it's Gold Rush and Madcraft with 14. In 15th place, it's JC and E. Thoughty, 14 and a half points. In 14th place, it's Isaac with 15 points. 
12th place, it's Sherb and Stanford Steve, who has replaced the Bear on College Game Day. They have 15 and a half points. Josh Pate, our guest in the next segment, is just outside the top 10 with 17 and a half. And now to our top 10. In 10th place, we've got Delvin. Congratulations, Delvin. He's got 18 points. In ninth place, the Leprechaun of Lyman has 20.5. In eighth place, it's Dan B. with 21.5. In seventh place, Pat McAfee, 22. In sixth place, Justin L., 24.5. In fifth place, it's Delano the Truck Driver with 27. In fourth place, Brandon has 28. In third place, Kyle D. has 29. In second place, Minor 49er has 31. And leading the way in our Upset Picks Challenge, it is none other than Joe D. So what's the rules? Well, you got to pick a three-point underdog, at least a three-point underdog, okay? If that underdog wins, you get the number of points that that team was an underdog by, right? So last week, for instance, Virginia was a 24-and-a-half-point underdog to North Carolina. If you had picked Virginia to beat North Carolina and nobody did, you would have 24-and-a-half points in your upset pick total, okay? But it's got to be at least a three-point underdog. You have to actually believe they're going to win, and when you text them in to us, we need your name, your game, and the point spread. Sound good? Those are the standings. Congratulations, Joe D. What a season. Congratulations to me. Yeah, that's right. I am the dude celebrating a touchdown, losing by 30 points. I've got three points. I'm back on the board, baby. Back on the board. Down to two games. And a a little quick reminder to you before we get this party kickstarted here. Every single week, and this is the only thing that has been undefeated, ladies and gentlemen. Every single week, the upset pick that everybody picks does not win. Every single week, there is a game that everybody loves, and it never wins, okay? I have a guess of what game that's going to be this week. Just keep in mind, if you can figure out what game everyone's going to pick, that game never wins. 71307 on the madworldattractions.com text line is where you can get to us, and we lead it off with Delvin. From Fountain Inn. Delvin, from Fountain Inn, what's good, buddy? How are you? I'm doing good. How you doing, man? I'm doing very, very well. Good to hear from you. How's life treating you? It's doing good. I got my upset pick. Give me UNLV minus seven and a half on Fresno State. I saw this one. I saw this one. I looked at this one. This was There's over 10 really good games. Why this one for you, Delvin? Well, first of all, UNLV is playing well. Barry Oldman has come in and turned the program around, and Fresno State quarterback might not be playing. Michael King might not be. It looks like he's going to be out for a second week in a row. Yeah, and they're both. They both have one loss, right? Yep. UNLV, Fresno State, both have one loss. What you don't have going for you is you got the road team, Delvin. But you're feeling confident you can pull that off. Um, yeah, I'm feeling confident I can pull that off. There you go, Delvin. Great to hear from you, pal. Great to hear from you. Congratulations, Delvin is in the top ten. Delvin is flat way better at this than you and I are, Diesel. Way better. Well, I think I rode with Delvin last week, and I still lost, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's see what you guys are picking right now on the MadWorldAttractions.com text line. Uh, let's see here. Texter says, UNC Chris is going 
Colorado over UCLA for 17 points. Uh, Michigan gave me 49 reasons to not pick against them. Anyway, I'm going Wisconsin over Ohio State for 14 and a half points. Mongo is taking NC State plus 10 over Clemson. Big surprise. Gamecock fan picking the, uh, you know, non. It's interesting, Mongo. You're not taking South Carolina over over uh, Texas A&M. That's hey, very, back is it? You know what, bro. Very, very interesting. Very interesting. Uh, Texter says, Mark, for years people have said the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs were the best because of the randomness and that any team can make it to the finals. You've got a five seed and a six seed out of six seeds in the World Series. Look, if that's fine with you, you have the right format. It's fine with me. It's fine with you. It's fine with me. If you really were among the two best teams in baseball, you wouldn't slump when it really matters. It's. I I mean, how do you how do you explain how do you explain that away? If you if you're really one of the best two teams in baseball, why are you slumping at exactly the wrong time? Um, Diesel, I, I, the answer is who knows? There you who go. knows? Right? Like, who knows? I, I would Life say a, a lot. finds a way. Mark. I would say that a lot has to do with the best of three in the first round and the best of five and a very small sample size. Right? Uh, Madcraft says Miami of Ohio plus seven over Ohio. John G. You know, my, uh, Madcraft, you don't have to pick teams that have the word Miami in their name, right? You don't have to. He's rolling with it. I mean, how can we how can we fault him for this? It worked so well last week. I'm, I'm glad, Mad, Madcraft. I'm glad you're back already. Uh, I know you took a minute there to go watch the new Jennifer Lawrence movie. I'm wondering if there's going to be a single Gamecock homer that is taking the Gamecocks over A&M. I don't even think in South Carolina there's going to be a Gamecock fan taking South Carolina over A&M. Gold Rush is taking NC State plus 10 over Clemson. John G. again, Colorado Plus 17 over UCLA is where you can go right there. We've got, we're going to have um, prizes for our medal stand finishers, and it's a tight race. It is a very, very tight race. We've got six guys within 10 and a half points of one another Joe D, Minor 49er, Kyle D, Brandon, Delano, the truck driver, and Justin L. They're all between 24 and a half points. And 35 points. I was so depressed last week about this. I just wanted to get on the board. Now I'm back on the board. And as long as I get one pick right in the next three weeks, I'll remain on the board. Once I'm on the board, then I'll worry about where I'm going to pick up the chunk. If one of you guys, if one of you brain boxes could have just clued me in to Virginia beating North Carolina this week, that would have helped. But no, no, can't rely on you guys for anything. Can I? Can't rely on you guys for anything. 71307 on the madworldattractions.com text line is where you guys can get to us on the show. Uh, Open the show today with um, a real interesting conversation about Michigan, a very interesting dynamic about Michigan. Of course, we've got Josh Pate coming your way next on the show, and we are joined right now by E. Thoughty, in Greenville. E. Thoughty, great to hear from you, man. What's good? What's up, man? How you doing? Is this your uh, first time ever calling into the show, E. Thoughty? I think it might be, yeah. Wow. Good to hear from you, brother. Good to hear from you. Uh, yeah, I'm going to take uh, Rice over Tulane by 10.5. Rice mm. over Tulane by 10.5. Why, E. Thoughty? 
I just think JT Daniels is playing really well. If you go look at his stats, um, and they, I, I can't remember who Rice beat last week. That was actually my upset pick last week as well. So you're you're like butter because you're on a roll, right? Yep, yep, yep. There you go. There you go. Hey, bud, thanks so much for the call. Appreciate you ringing us nice. up. Josh Payton says you can't lose to food, but apparently you can. Yeah, apparently you can. All right, Diesel. Yep. It is your turn, mm-hmm. sir. It is your turn. What gets you off the schneid? <laughs> At this point, all you can do is laugh, right? What gets yeah. you off the schneid this week? Uh, I looked at three games. Uh, I looked at Oregon at Utah plus six and a half, but uh, with Utah's quarterback out, can't really feel super good about that one. I looked at Oklahoma at Kansas plus 10 because Kansas is usually good for one big upset every year, and it's not like Kansas is awful this year, uh, but I didn't like that one quite as much as I like Troy plus five and a half at Texas State. Troy's defense is absolutely elite, Mark. Absolutely elite. They're giving up just a shade under 220 yards a game in total offense. Teams do not rush the ball against Troy. They don't throw the ball very well against Troy either. Defense travels. So give me the Trojans at Texas State, which shout out to Texas State. That is a program that has been awful. Awful for a long time, but they got a great name, right? Texas State. Sounds like it should be a really good football program, uh, and and they're now packing out their football stadium for the first time in a very, very long time. So Texas State's success makes me happy, but I think Troy gets the win on the road. Uh, Texter says Houston over Kansas State getting 17.5. So says Notre Dame Nate. They almost got Texas last week, but the question is, did they did – they, um... What's the what's the blow your what's the radio friendly way I can say that Diesel? Uh, uh, did they did they, what did they do? They shot their what? shot. They shot their shot last week against Texas. Houston almost your, beat your Texas wad. last Is week. Is that what you mean? Your yeah. wad? Yeah, you said it. I think as long as we don't connect that sentence, oh, we'll be okay. Or did you mean the word load? One of those two. Okay. One of those two. Blow okay. your load. What you just said. Speaking of which, Madcraft, welcome back to the stream. Fred Sims is clearly participating in uh, Kiss Up to the favorite to your, to your favorite host day. He's taking Florida and 14 and a half against Georgia. Good luck, Fred. Good luck to both of us. We've got Josh Pate joining us next right here on the most interactive sports talk show anywhere. Offsides. Mark Ryan and Diesel. We are the Fan Up State. It's one of our favorite segments of the week each week. The host of the best college football show in America, The Late Kick Show with Josh Pate, joins us right here on Offsides. You can check out Late Kick on YouTube Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern. But the best part is, if you have to miss any of that live, it's all right there for you on YouTube. And not only that, oftentimes they cut up some really interesting clips, and it's all over social media, at Late Kick Josh as well, where you can get it. Uh, the Once Upon a Saturday tour is going to the artist formerly known as the world's largest outdoor cocktail party this week. Good afternoon, my friend. In terms of vitriol and vitriolic rivalries, where does Florida Georgia rank to you, my friend? Uh, Mark, it's up there now. It's, it's more up there when both teams are top ten. Like you remember not too long ago when you had Urban Meyer at Florida. And they, you know, Georgia and Mark Rick were looking for a spark, and they do the whole touchdown, and entire team voluntarily takes the 15-yard penalty to celebrate. Now, that that felt like just pure, unadulterated hatred to me. I loved it. And lately, it's the conversation's been more 
how wide is the gap between these programs? Well, it's tough for the hatred to permeate the veins like it needs to and just course through the national um, the, the national college football scene the way it needs to with it set up as it currently is. However, all it takes is one big upset, and I don't know how you define big. It's 14-and-a-half-point line right now. But uh, all it takes is Billy Napier planting his flag and Florida planting their flag one time, and then I think you've revved the engine on the rivalry again from a national scene. Um, so, Josh, you taught me this four, four or five years ago. If the upset were to happen, how does it happen? All right. The first thing that I looked at when they went and beat South Carolina, Florida got a big win on the road. Um, the thing that troubled me was even in the win, Graham Mertz got pressured 24 times. He got sacked four times. And I think that Georgia's more capable of doing that to Florida than South Carolina was. So the first thing is, They've got to give him a chance to make plays. They've got to run the ball fairly well, but they've then also got to give Graham Mertz a chance to make plays. Um, the second thing is you need to make sure on third down you have the situation for Georgia where Carson Beck has to throw. And then you find out, do they really have guys ready to step up in the absence of Brock Bowers? I'm a personal believer that the key for – you know, replacing Brock Bowers is not as simple as the next tight end steps up. I think it's a collective effort. Like, defensively, you could have a position group like outside linebackers step up and play outside their mind just because they know collectively we as a team, we got to pick up the slack. But in the passing game, if you don't have to account for him, we haven't seen anyone play Georgia like this. We haven't seen anyone in a, in a big premier SEC game, capable athletes on defense who know 19's not on the field. Let's shift our coverage accordingly, and we'll see. Like, I, I mean, listen, Georgia is very confident. Carson Beck's going to have a career day Saturday. They fully believe he's capable of that. Um, Mark, I've had people tell me before career days are imminent, and then it goes the absolute opposite way. So that's the path for Florida. They also they need the third down statistics to shift a little bit. They also they need, um, you know, basically they need that whole – has been to not become will be they just need to flip a few things and that's the beauty of getting to a bye week with a lot left to play for there's a lot of energy in the building and if you haven't maximized your potential which i don't think either of these teams have frankly you just never know who gets shot out of the cannon more coming into this game josh paid of the late kick show joining us here on offsides mark ryan and diesel the fan upstate Josh, uh, my procrastination on this has uh, has reached a screeching halt. Uh, there is an audio montage here that we have for you. Some of this audio you will recognize, some you have never heard before. It is all in your honor, sir, and uh, I can no longer delay the inevitable. The Vegas number right now is Clemson minus four. We think the wrong team's favored. We think Miami minus one is the right number. It's just been horrifically skewed. We're going to say the turnover monster does not completely devour Miami like an unstoppable rebel force this week. And we're going to not only take Miami to cover, we're going to take them to win the game outright. Josh Pate says the wrong team is favored. Josh Pate says that team is Miami. Josh Pate is wrong. And Diesel, I invite you to timestamp this at 3.05.21. And if I am wrong, play it on Monday. Oh, he, he played it on and Monday, believe you Josh. believe me, I did. He played it on Monday, Josh. He played it on Tuesday. And he's he's playing it today. Josh, how do you do that voodoo that you do? 
<sighs> Nothing's wrong with the connection. This is just me basking for a second. <laughs> I am standing outside in Nashville. It is a beautiful, sunny day. There's sunshine coming from the speaker of this phone now as well. I feel great. And mind you, just in case anyone's new to the listening audience, welcome aboard. You're listening to the right show there. Um, it wasn't too long ago that you were asking me how we picked Louisville as the wrong team favored there, and they beat Notre Dame. How did we do that? Here's how you do it, Mark. Uh, get a data scientist to build a really good computer model for you. Check. One, box. And number two, understand how violently perception shifts sometimes in college football based off one or two results. And just understand how to ignore that. And so in this game, you had Miami, which I think is a very good team, that just totally imploded against Georgia Tech. And then they turned the ball over a ton against North Carolina. Well, here's the thing. The public looks at that, and they recast Miami. Like, they redefine Miami. That is not the way to properly interpret football results. What you do is you look at what the mean would be, the average output of this team, and you had two extreme examples to the left of what the average should be, which just screams all the more the expectation nationally. The point spread, even the odds-making expectation, is going to be skewed to the left a little bit. Well, that just gives you more value on the right. And sure enough, all of a sudden we see Miami, I think, plus one or plus two turnovers against Clemson. And you get the result you got. Now, even with backup quarterback, I, I still loved riding with Miami, even when I knew Emory Williams was starting. I've, I've explained my philosophy to you on how much value there is on betting backup quarterbacks in college football. I love doing it. Everyone runs away from it. I, I run towards it. But I know you also pointed out how important you thought the bye week was for Clemson. And that's something I worked on a lot in the summer. I had a guy who's way smarter than me do a lot of research on what kind of program – and what kind of team truly benefits from a bye week. And it won't shock you to know the higher caliber coaching staffs benefit disproportionately from the bye week. I'm not sure I call Clemson a high caliber coaching staff right now. And so I, I thought there'd be a minimal impact. I thought it'd look just like any other week for them. And maybe they got healed up, but I don't think they're overly special athlete wise right now anyway. So it wasn't like they were going to have some position group overpower Miami. And so I thought there was a lot of value there and ended up being right. But, look, I'd stand on this mountain even if Miami lost in overtime because what we're trying to do with a model is we're trying to calibrate a four-quarter game. So, you know, as far as the model is concerned, that game ended in a tie. So when I told you I think Miami minus one is the right number and it ends tie, that's about as nailed down as you can get that thing. Josh, what has just happened is that Mark Ryan has anointed you to the position of daddy. And congratulations, I'm going to bestow another honor upon you, making you college football czar, all hail your omnipotence. As your first decree, Josh, you get to reinstate one of the rivalry names that has been deemed untoward. So I want you to pick one of these. Which classic name comes back? The world's largest outdoor cocktail party or the Red River Shootout? Red River Shootout is the one I'm going to pick. Uh, listen, I still hear a lot of people use cocktail party. They just kind of wink and nod when they say it. But, I mean, th these folks have just taken a headfirst dive into Red River rivalry, Red River showdown, and I'm sitting out here knowing full well why they're doing it. And it's a bunch of meaningless do-goodedness, and it doesn't really accomplish anything. And so, I mean, if, if you want to – 
if you want to sanitize yourself that much, go for it. But I, I'm out here in the I'm – in, I'm in the streets. All three of us are in the streets of college football. So we call these rivalries what they deserve to be called, and the Red River Shootout and the world's largest outdoor cocktail party is what those deserve to be called. And I don't even drink. My cocktail is water with ice, and yet I still want to call it a cocktail party. You know, when I was attending the live taping of the Josh Pate show, I said to the guys in the producer shield, I said, I've wanted to know forever because Josh doesn't touch wine, doesn't touch anything. What is in the chalice of supremacy? And they said, meal. It's water with meal. What's, what's the go-to flavor there, Josh? That is a black cherry combination right now. There you and go. And the funny thing is, I'm not a, the biggest fan of, like, black cherry flavoring, but the fine folks at Mio, uh, who have chosen not to sponsor the show as of yet, <laughs> they have made black cherry delicious. And also, remember this time last year, Mark, I had that small incident with cold brew coffee where I lost my vision for a little while. Oh, yeah. Amongst the yes. Yeah, well, I switched over to the Mio, and that is 60 milligrams of caffeine per squeeze, so just a couple little shots in water, and it, you're good to go, man. Gets you the same kick as coffee. Breath smells better. Uh, eyesight works a lot better. No, no light sensitivity. So all the pluses with none of the negatives, at least that I've seen so far. So, Josh, um, when we do a four-hour radio show to pre- prevent the monotony of one voice droning on and on and on, and it's on this show it's Diesel and I, but I, I use it on the CBS shows as well, as well, we do format breakers, right? Little format breaking segments. And I'm going to format break this segment with this question because I see you comment on the MLB postseason all the time. Diesel and I are at odds. He has no issue with MLB's postseason. And I have such a strong distaste for the randomness of it. It's not that, Josh, uh, you know, if we have a 12-team playoff, I'm I'm going to moan if uh, the five seed faces the six seed, but we have a World Series with a five seed against a six seed. I think it's the most random postseason ever. And I'd ask, Josh, as you're an analytical guy, if you would amend MLB's postseason in any way? Yeah, I would. I despise it. I love baseball and yet despise it because of the randomness. To me, I got no problem with, like, the Rangers and Phillies or a Rangers and who in the world? Oh, Arizona. Yeah. I mean, I, look, fair and square. Like, they played on the same field by the same rules. Oh, I get all that. No one has to make that point to me. Well, they executed when it was time to execute. Yes, they did. I'm looking at a team that won 20 fewer games than the Atlanta Braves representing the National League in the World Series. And so I ask myself, what is the truest test of deciding which teams are the best? And to me, when you play 162 games, it's the regular season. So I'm not for doing away with the postseason, but I am for disproportionately weighting it even more to reward your accomplishments in the regular season but baseball thinks they do that but they don't they think they do it by giving you a first round buy and i hate that because baseball is such a rhythmic game it is a routine based game that when you have a team and you sit down for i think the Braves played one game in six days and then all of a sudden you got philadelphia red hot coming in there and by the way the very nature of postseason baseball is those wild card teams whoever wins the wild card has been playing playoff baseball to even get that spot for a month. So they come in no matter who it is, red hot. And yet when I present this, it sounds like sour grapes. I know that. I, I think the Major League Baseball postseason almost feels like a fun midseason tournament. The, the randomness of it is such that if you threw it in the middle of the season, I wouldn't have a problem with it. I know we'll never go back to this, but I liked it back when I was a really, really young kid when they just took – 
the two best teams from each league that played the championship series, and then the winners went to the World Series. And, you know, if you, if you won 80 games, you weren't good enough. Sorry, try again next year, but that's not the way it'll ever be. Josh, I'm going to give you another chance to uh, to to go down with the sanitized and modernized things in college football. One of the things that I hate the most is is the sanitized logos that came out in the mid 2000s. So I want to give you a chance to force an old school logo back on a university. I'm thinking Michigan's old school Wolverine, LSU's old school Tiger, NC State's old school Wolfpack uh, logo. Which one is your all-time favorite logo that's no longer in use? I'll tell you what I'd love to see is, um, have you ever seen Purdue's old Purdue Pete logo? I'm looking it up right right, now. I'm Googling it right now. Looking right now, yeah. (laughs) The one that really looks like it drives a white panel van and offers you candy out the passenger's window. (laughs) This is outstanding. Oh, I got it. You got to flip this around, Diesel. I can't. You're going to knock your ring light over. Okay, here you go. Here you go. (laughs) Here you go. And I'd love to see it come back. I would love to see that thing just waltz along the sideline. I would love to see parents pulling their children away from it. Think, come on, honey, let's go home. I would love to see a mascot that genuinely strikes fear in the hearts of people. I don't mean like the old Mike the Tiger, which was a literal tiger on LSU sideline. No, I mean a mascot suit that really makes you question the character of the person inside. I need people to feel a little uncomfortable at my games. Well, Josh, I'm going to invite you to go back and pull the classic Idaho Vandal mascot logo because that thing is the thing of nightmares. If you haven't seen it in a while. by By the way, this show is perfect for me to tell this story. So when I went up to New York this past week to do the CBS stuff, I was working with Rick Neuheisel. So between shows, we were talking about this, like old school logos. He said, hey, you want, you want to see a logo? I used to play high school ball out in Arizona, in Yuma, Arizona. He said, go look up Yuma High School. I go up, look at you. I look up Yuma High School. Do you know the mascot is the criminal? They're called the Yuma Criminals. And they're Yuma Criminals. <laughs> And it still exists today. This is not something that was uh, in another time. They're called the Yuma Criminals today. <laughs> now that is standing up against the man. Oh, it is. <laughs> I absolutely love that. All right, Josh. Um, I watched. I saw what you had to say. We opened on the Michigan uh, Spygate today, and you know, to me, this feels like college football's version of the Houston Astros. Would the Big Ten dare cut off its nose with Michigan, despite its face, or would the Ooh. CFP committee? dare pull a no Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame morality clause on their voting process? My initial gut reaction was no. Neither one of them are going to do that. They'll just wait. Like everybody in an authoritative position in college football just waits for someone else to do the right thing or whatever they think the right thing is, and just nothing ends up happening. In this case, here's what I do think. I think we're not even close to done with those details coming out. I think everything that's been reported from the families and Dellingers of the world will be corroborated. All of that will be documented, and you will have that as evidence. So it won't be a question of whether it happened. The question will be, is the Big Ten ready to take in-season action? Because the NCAA won't be ready to do anything until 2024 at the earliest. So what would impact this year's team? It would be either the Big Ten or it would be the College Football Playoff Committee just basically leveraging the wording in their committee bylaws and and protocols to punish Michigan themselves. There is such little precedent for this. 
and, and knowing the bureaucratic nature of these people, mostly spineless, I don't think people are going to have the stones to do that. I could be wrong. We've never seen it. And so I, what I'm saying is the, the freedom to do it is there. Like it is the mechanics are, to do it are there. I don't know if anyone's actually going to pull that lever, Mark. Wow. Yeah, it's and if they do, you know, it's look, it's it's awful for the conference. Right. And then it brings to light a whole host of other questions. Does uh, does the playoff committee want to go down that rabbit hole? of Well, they did this and they did this. And where does it end? Yeah, I think Michigan is likely to get off scot free this year. And then sometime in 2057, they'll they'll rule on (laughs) rule on this uh, this particular incident. Uh, Josh, when is it fair to judge a head coach? People have asked me that a lot about Shane Beamer year three uh, in my studies. Josh, year three is is often the time when good coaches pop. Obviously, the balloon is the only thing that's popped on Shane Beamer this year. Uh, and then you look at a guy like Mike Elko and wow, you watch the Blue Devils, Josh. They, they look like Utah overnight, fundamentally sound, disciplined, tough, don't beat themselves. In the Josh Payton model of life, when do you judge a head coach? I judge him every day. I start judging results in year three. Uh, and when I say results, I mean win, wins and losses. So there are major differences in how we define results sometimes. I would also say this, though. With Beamer, uh, they're really bad in, in several areas of that team right now. I don't think we need to beat the dead horse on that. But I think Ryan Day is something that people need to be paying attention to right now. So Ryan Day, when he first took over Ohio State, they had to outscore people to win. And, you know, the criticism was when he ends up going up against Michigan, he gets out physical and his teams get out physical and put on skates and embarrassed. And so then they go play Georgia. Same thing happens. Well, they got really intentional about redefining the program. In case no one's noticed now, they've won their two biggest games without scoring more than 20 points. And it's not like they forgot how to score there. They don't have great quarterback play this year. In the future, they'll be better offensively. But in the meantime, what they've done is they've developed sort of a new, a new layer to their program. And that is hard-nosed, physicality, assignment-sound defense. And they'll never settle for less there again. Well, that's what I wonder about Beamer in South Carolina. This year is what it is. What do they learn from this? What do they get intentional about becoming because of this? And it's not as easy to do at Carolina because you can't acquire talent and top-level coaching talent as quickly as you could at Ohio State. But like you said, Mike Elko ruins that excuse because if Elko is doing it at Duke, you better be able to do it at South Carolina. You better be able to do it at Clemson. You better be able to do it at NC State. And so that's what I'll be interested in. This year's record is going to be bad. I'll, I'll judge him a lot more on next year's record as a result of the decisions that are made in January. All right, Josh, congratulations to you, sir. Not only, okay, did my bravado embarrass myself going against you in the model Clemson and Miami, but also, sir, you are one spot away from the top 10 in our upset pick standings. You have 17 and a half points. You are in 11th place. The leader does have 35, but as Virginia showed us last week, that is merely one correct long shot pick away from being in first place. Where are you going this week, Josh? Yep, I'm going to go down to Orlando, and I am going to take West Virginia plus seven at UCF. How about that? I looked at that, Josh. Only reason I didn't, uh, and you were part of the reason, Josh. You're a big um, intangibles guy, okay? Like you picked for Louisville one week uh, against Notre Dame. You picked against them the next week against Pitt. I said to my audience here, I said, 
Notre, Josh doesn't think Pitt would beat Notre Dame, transitive property, right? But he's looking at the situations surrounding those games. West Virginia has lost two heartbreaking games in a row, and you got no issue with that. Oh, no, I actually love it. That's what gives me motivation to bet them. And also, remember, that's not just losing two games, but the coaching staff is safe. Their jobs are on the line. And so, yeah, I, I've watched their last two games, and they've been up at various points in those games and, and blew the lead, in one case in horrific last-second fashion at Houston. So I'm going to just – I'm going to err on the assumption that Neil Brown has the troops ready to go into battle in Orlando. And I never thought I'd say that sentence, but here we are. Josh, enjoy the world's largest outdoor cocktail party with some black cherry mayo. Have a great time. Thank you, Mark. Take care, bud. All right, Josh Pate uh, of the Late Kick Show uh, joining us here on the show, as he always does. Love the interview. He got a kick of that out of that audio. He got a kick out of uh, out of you. <laughs> Timestamp this. Oh, listen, guys. Next time you hear me say timestamp this, just slap me. Just slap me. Okay, that's not a smart thing to say. That is arrogance and that is bravado. Yeah, just line up at the front door. Uh, press the doorbell button so that we know that you're here. It gives us a little light in the studio, lets us know that somebody's outside, so just line up. There you go. All right, I make my upset pick next. Right here on Offsides, we are the Fan Upstate. It's Offsides, Mark, Ryan, and Diesel. We are the Fan Upstate. Let's see here. Diesel, are you feeling nice today or not? Yeah. Okay. Spur Daddy says, uh, okay, Diesel actually, this happened behind the scenes. Uh, Diesel picked the favored team in his game. Yeah, I read read the spread wrong. So we're going to give a one-time get-out-of-jail-free card for this week only. Spur Daddy said he, he made an incorrect pick on the text line. I thought Vandy was playing Mississippi State instead of Ole Miss. Um, Spur Daddy, you can scratch that. You can go right ahead with uh, something else. We're in a we're in a forgiving mood today, Spur Daddy. Very very forgiving mood. Um, okay, guys, for my upset pick, I considered six. Okay, I considered um, Coastal Carolina Diesel until Marshall against Marshall until I realized that Grayson McCall is probably not playing. I considered Charlotte versus Florida Atlantic. Charlotte's on a hot streak, man. They, they're putting up 10 points a game, Jason. 10 points a game. Um, I considered Josh Pate's West Virginia over UCF, but I will not allow myself to be swayed by Josh because, you know, it's not fair to the audience, right? Like, you guys have that advantage. I shouldn't give myself that advantage. But I could show Diesel West Virginia UCF is on my sheet here. Uh, I considered Kentucky at home a three-and-a-half-point underdog against Tennessee. But, you know, you consider current form. Kentucky's isn't great, didn't look good at home against Missouri. Tennessee seems to be getting better as the season goes along. Plus, what's the win there? Three and a half points. All of which took me down to two, ladies and gentlemen, down to two. Clemson and NC State for 10 points. Sorry, Clemson fans. Do you really think you're going to, I mean, do you really think you should be a double-digit favorite in this game? And the other one is Utah at home against Oregon. Now, both of these give me the formula formula that I love for an upset pick. It is you take the home team and the spread isn't ginormous, right? 
NC State, the spread shouldn't be 10 points, but I'm getting a lot more points than I should. Utah, six and a half points at home against Oregon. Utah beat USC last week with a backup quarterback. With a backup quarterback. So, folks, lo and behold, and uh, you guys on the text line help me a little bit with this. All of you picking Clemson and NC State, I've learned that the that the game everyone picks is not the one that wins. I'm going Utah at home against Oregon. All right, and I, I I say that knowing that if Utah is plus in the turnover margin, they got a shot. If Utah is plus two in the turnover margin, I think they win probably going away. You don't beat Utah if you beat yourself. So I'm going Utah plus six and a half at home against uh, against Oregon, despite the fact that you've already heard me say that Oregon is one of four teams that I believe could actually win the national championship. At Utah, that is a tricky spot in a tricky time of the season. What are you guys saying? A lot of upset picks coming in right now. Isaac says, give me Duke plus four and a half at Louisville. Uh, the text for the anniversary is Hokey Chris. His upset pick of the week is uh, if his uh, is a week on the couch if he doesn't come home with a present for his 17th anniversary. Sherb is going West Virginia over UCF as well. John Corley is going Mississippi State plus six and a half over Auburn. Uh, Delano the truck driver, Colorado over UCLA for 17 points. Brandon, Syracuse over Virginia Tech in three. Uh, let's see here, Brandon Gibson. Wyoming and five over Boise State. Uh, let's see here. JC, Wyoming and five over Boise State. And Spur Daddy bringing it strong. That's right. Much better pick, Spur Daddy. Go Gators over the Georgia Bulldogs getting 14 and a half points. We've got the top five at five coming your way next right here on the most interactive sports talk show anywhere. It's Offsides, Mark Ryan and Diesel. We are the Fan Upstate.